Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hello, and welcome to my podcast. This is an audio version of my videos, available to make listening to my stuff in the background easier than YouTube makes it. But since my videos are primarily made for YouTube, there may be occasional references to visual materials. If you'd like this podcast ad-free, you can join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash vicerhino. Please enjoy. Hello and welcome to my channel, Vice Rhino here. Today I'm looking at a video from a channel called What Would You Say? If you tune in for my live streams, that channel will be familiar to you as the one that referenced a study pointing out that CRISPR-Cas9 currently causes off-target gene edits, and use that as a reason to say that we just shouldn't even bother trying to figure out how to edit genes, as though scientists are about to roll out designer baby technology right now and ignore the fact that we know full well that CRISPR is nowhere near ready for that sort of thing. They also depicted days-old embryos as fully developed babies in test tubes complete with pacifiers, all while conveniently not pointing out that the embryos were only a few days old at most, and were leftover embryos from IVF treatments that would have been disposed of regardless of whether or not we use them for research purposes first. Anyway, in this video they discuss the statement, Don't impose your religious beliefs on me. I'm sure it'll be nothing but nuance. Let's go! You're in a conversation and someone says, religious people shouldn't be allowed to impose their beliefs on others. Keep your faith between you and your God. Yep, that is a perfectly reasonable statement. What would you say? Sometimes people think that as long as the government doesn't regulate what someone says or does inside a church building, they are respecting religious freedom. Yeah, but it doesn't even have to go that far. You can respect religious freedom, but also have certain regulations about what can go on inside of churches. The Johnson Amendment comes immediately to mind. That's the one where tax-exempt organizations, not just churches or religious organizations, but all tax-exempt organizations, are prohibited from directly or indirectly supporting or opposing political candidates to engage in political fundraising or to contribute directly to political campaigns. The idea is to prevent organizations that do not contribute to the government from having influence on the government at an organizational level. The people involved in these organizations are free to personally contribute to politicians and discuss politics in situations where they are not acting in official capacities on their tax-exempt organization's behalf. But yeah, for the most part, I agree that the government does not and should not have the power to dictate what can and cannot be preached from the pulpit. Though I would like to see actual enforcement of the Johnson Amendment, and it'd be nice if hate preachers weren't allowed to give sermons that amount to hate speech. Is that true? Or does religious freedom protect more? It protects more. You're allowed to believe whatever you want and practice those beliefs in whatever way you want, as long as the practice of those beliefs doesn't hurt anyone, and unfortunately even still sometimes when it does hurt some other people. Like people's rights to express and live out their beliefs in the public square. Yeah, you can do that all you want. I think you misunderstand the point of the statement. When I say, don't impose your religious beliefs on me, 
I'm not saying don't you dare try to preach to me. I don't mind that. I actually get excited when missionaries come knocking on my door because I love having discussions like that. But I'm also the odd one out. Most people don't appreciate having other people try to change their religion. For the most part, people won't stop you from street preaching or evangelizing as long as you're not being a twizz pipe about it. Just don't legislate your religion and don't use religious clout to influence politics. Those are the two main things that people are concerned about with regards to the imposition of religious beliefs. To really understand religious freedom and explain it to anyone else, here are three things to remember. Number one, there's a difference between freedom of worship and freedom of religion. And in America, we have both. Freedom of worship is the freedom to believe something, but it's only a small subset of the much broader freedom of religion which is the right to live according to your beliefs. I would have thought that the freedom of worship would be the freedom to believe and do what you like in private, whereas freedom of religion would be the one where you can be all public about it and have physical churches and stuff. Maybe that's just a product of the kind of Christian I used to be coming out, because the church I went to was one of those I don't have a religion, I have a relationship types. We even had a worship song that contained the line, there's a place where religion finally dies, and that line always got a huge chorus of amens and hallelujahs from the congregation. This is my favorite part of this whole song. There's a place where religion finally dies. But yeah, in not just the US, but a lot of other countries, you have the right not only to believe what you want to believe, but to gather together in mosques, temples, synagogues, churches, or whatever other religious building you want to carry out religious services. Of course, being in a global pandemic, the right to gather together in large groups has been restricted in a lot of places for public health reasons, and some have chosen to take this as a direct attack on religion, even though there are usually specific exemptions for religion, giving them more leniency than other gatherings. But no, you still have the right to host live stream services to connect with your congregants, and when the pandemic is over, these restrictions will be lifted. But that's kind of a hard thing to accomplish with so many churches going out of their way to not only ignore the safety regulations, but to actively defy them, all while discouraging their congregants from getting the vaccine. I'm at the nail salon. I'm at the grocery store. I'm at the combination nail salon and grocery store. Wait, she's at the nail salon and the grocery store? I'm at the combination nail salon and grocery store. Groceries through Instacart, delivered to my door. I don't have to choose between acrylics and the grocery store. Limiting a person to the freedom of worship doesn't really respect their rights. No, it doesn't. Now, who is trying to do that? There are definitely groups of people arguing to tax the churches, or at least to force them to open their books to inspection, but I don't know of anyone arguing that churches should be shut down by law. The Empty the Pews movement is semi-popular on social media sites, but that is more about people becoming convinced that their religion was wrong and so leaving, or about people who refuse to support churches that engage in immoral activity. It's not about making church services illegal or something. Freedom of worship only guarantees that the government cannot regulate what people believe in their hearts, in their own heads, in their own homes, and in their houses of worship. 
Well, even the strictest authoritarian regimes can't stop you from believing something, try as they might. But judging by your distinction between the freedom of worship being the freedom to believe something, and freedom of religion being the freedom to live according to those beliefs, I would have thought that the attending houses of worship thing would have been in the broader freedom of religion category rather than the more specific freedom of worship category. I thought I was getting confused because of the way my specific church treated the concept of religion, but maybe it's not my personal history making it confusing, maybe it's you. Around the world, most people have the freedom to believe what they want, but not everyone has the freedom to live and share those beliefs openly. Right. Some places suck. And as long as we're complaining about places where people aren't allowed to live their beliefs openly, do you know what kinds of places those are most likely to be? Places where certain aspects of one particular religion are codified into their laws. In other words, places where religion is imposed on the populace rather than it being a free choice. If you agree with me that these restrictions on people's freedoms are a bad thing, then you should also agree with me about the fact that legally imposing your religion on people is a bad thing. In other words, they have freedom of worship, but not freedom of religion. Right. When a government imposes aspects of a religion on the populace without regard for the actual religious beliefs of that populace, the populace loses their freedom of religion. This is exactly what is meant by the statement you cannot have freedom of religion without freedom from religion. By itself, the freedom of worship provides very little protection to people of faith. That's why from the beginning, the founders chose to protect freedom of religion in the Constitution not just freedom of worship. Well, not quite all the way from the beginning, otherwise it would be a part of the original constitution. It wouldn't be a constitutional amendment. But yeah, the founding fathers of the United States were running a country that was established by Puritans fleeing religious persecution in England. So they wanted to make sure that they set up a state that would not result in similar state-sponsored religious persecution. Number two, freedom of religion is God-given and belongs to all of us. It's not so much that it is God-given, it's more that human beings don't have the ability to read minds, and so even if a government mandates that you accept a specific religion, you are able to pretend to accept it while believing something else. But wait, I'm talking about private beliefs, which they said was freedom of worship, not freedom of religion. Is she talking about the public religious behavior that was said to be part of freedom of religion? Because that part is most definitely not God-given, not if we're to believe that the Bible is true at any rate. The God of the Bible regularly kills people for not having the right religion. So to think that this same God would be a champion of people's right to exercise religions other than the one where he gets worshipped is just ludicrous. Usually, when people say that religious people shouldn't be allowed to impose their beliefs on others, they're talking about moral issues that have become politicized in recent decades. Often, yeah. Gay marriage was illegal for a long time. Why? Because religious groups opposed it. When it was made legal, it was a huge battle. With whom? Religious organizations that, for religious reasons, didn't want gay marriage to be acceptable. There are no good arguments against gay marriage. The ones that have the appearance of not being religiously motivated are usually problems that would be solved by better education. 
Abortion comes up a lot too. Speaking from a religious perspective, I get that some people think the soul shows up at conception, but the fact of the matter is that forcing a woman to carry a baby to term against her will is akin to forcing someone to undergo surgery to donate a kidney to someone whose kidneys have failed. It is a matter of bodily autonomy. And on top of that, the parts of the brain responsible for the things like thinking and feeling and other aspects of what make us who we are don't show up until about the third trimester. And since less than 1% of all abortions happen in the third trimester, the vast majority of which are not the result of a decision that the baby is unwanted, but rather due to medical necessity, there really is no non-religious reason to oppose abortion, especially not early abortion. When a religious organization brings up an issue that they have decided is controversial, the chances are that it's something that is controversial because of their religion, rather than there being actual data to back up their position. Of course, this is not universally the case, but it is most likely the case. Pornography, abortion, and LGBT causes. Yeah, see? I already discussed two out of three of these. As to pornography, I have other videos that go more in depth on the topic, but suffice it to say for now that there are pros and cons. Not all porn is created equal, and when responsibly used, it can have a positive impact on people's lives. But once again, the religious arguments against it don't hold up to scrutiny, and the secular arguments against it are not arguments against porn itself, but rather specific aspects of porn and the porn industry. What they mean is, on these issues, religious people don't have the right to make laws, ordinances, rules, or even arguments based on their religious beliefs. No, you're free to make all the arguments you want based on your religious beliefs. But yeah, if your religion says that porn is bad, you don't have the right to legally impose a ban on porn for people that are not a part of your religion. The legislation of religious morality, when there is no non-religious reason for such legislation, is something to be fought against. Orthodox Jews consider the eating of pork to be abhorrent to God. Would you say that they have a right to pass legislation prohibiting the consumption of pork for everyone regardless of religion? Or would you fight against such legislation because it infringes on your personal freedoms based on a religion that you do not share? This view wrongly treats religious freedom as a second-class right. It's not so much that it's a second-class right, it's that your right to practice your religion ends when it starts affecting other people who are not you. You don't have the right to force other people to conform to your religion. That does not mean that you do not have the right to conform to your religion. You just can't, and shouldn't be able to, make me conform to it as well. One that's less important than the so-called rights created by the government, like abortion or same-sex marriage. Again, it's not that those rights are more important than religious freedom, it's that the religious organizations are trying to force people that are not members to conform to rules that they never agreed to, and for which there are no reasons to conform that aren't based in religion. If a gay couple is not Christian, why should they not be allowed to get married? Two non-Christian gay people getting married does nothing to harm Christianity. It doesn't infringe on your right to practice your religion. It couldn't possibly have less to do with your religion. And as long as we're here, let's discuss the graphics being used for a second. First, the image that they are using for an abortion is wildly inaccurate. Over 90% of abortions happen at or before week 13, with 77% happening before week 9. Do you know how big a fetus is at 9 weeks gestation? About the size 
size of a cherry, not big enough to take up most of the uterus and need forceps for removal. Though that does track with the image that they were using in the other video of even younger embryos as being fully formed babies complete with pacifiers. Now secondly, if we look at the other podium that they have up there, they're pretending that they are pushing for equality between all of these religions, and that's actually a part of why we don't write legislation based on religion. Several of those religions would, if they could, write laws that would force behaviors that would violate the other ones. Would you want Islam to be able to legislate that we have to pray facing Mecca five times a day? Or would you more appreciate a secular government that allows a Muslim to pray five times a day, but would not require it of any non-Muslims? Unless you want all the tenets of a religion made into laws that everyone has to follow, don't pretend that you'd be okay with those other religions having legislative authority. Remember the whole religious freedom thing where you are free to practice your faith as you see fit? That doesn't play well with the faiths that you disagree with are allowed to make laws forcing you to conform to them. But that's not true. Religious freedom is not a right created by the government. Whether you believe it was created by the government or not, it is protected by the government, not by the religions themselves. It is what many philosophers have called a natural right, a God-given right that belongs to everyone, regardless of what the government says. I would quibble with the phrasing, obviously, but I think that here we should discuss what exactly is a right. Because, yeah, philosophically speaking, you'll find philosophers that agree that all humans have certain natural rights just by virtue of the fact that they are humans. But speaking from a purely practical perspective, rights are absolutely granted and restricted by the government. You can believe all you want that you have a right to practice your religion, but if you go to a country that forbids the practicing of your religion, then in that country you do not have that right. Now, internationally, we have organizations that are in place to try and protect certain rights on a global scale, so we might call that a rights violation and take action against this country, but at the end of the day, practically speaking, you only have the rights which are granted by the government. Whether or not the government should grant or restrict more rights is a matter for debate, but it is what it is. And if you believe that certain rights are natural rights, then that's all the more reason to keep the government secular. A secular government is less likely to infringe on people's rights to things like religion than a religious government is. When the founders wrote the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, they recognized that some rights are God-given. They recognize that the government's role is to protect those rights. Do you know how many times the U.S. Constitution and Bill of Rights mentions God? Zero. Zero times. The Declaration of Independence mentions God, but when it came time to write down the laws of the land, they left God completely out of it, demonstrating that the Founding Fathers, who had diverse religious opinions ranging from devout Christian to deist, recognized that whatever their personal beliefs were about God, they had no place in the Constitution that would be used to govern the country. And they recognize that freedom of religion is one of those God-given rights that the government must protect. As hard as it may be for you to accept, making sure that religions don't have legislative power is one of the most important ways that this right is protected for reasons already mentioned earlier. Number three, freedom of religion belongs in the public square because the public square is the marketplace of ideas. There is a huge difference between being in the public square and being endorsed by the government. Nobody is saying that you don't have the right to talk about your religion in public. The public square is where ideas compete and the best ideas win. 
No, the best ideas do not always win. Just ask anyone who is against whoever the current president is. They'll tell you about all the stupid things that the current president is doing. Granted, this is a lot easier with some presidents than it is with others, but I would think that the existence of a democracy that can leave so many people feeling like the winners are just full of bad ideas is direct evidence that the best ideas do not always win. That's still true, even if some ideas, religious or otherwise, make you feel uncomfortable. I mean, do I need to say more than I already have about these things that are good for society that I've mentioned, which are often opposed by religiously motivated people, including the people that made this video? Just because LGBTQ people make you uncomfortable does not mean that they should be denied equal rights. Just because porn makes you uncomfortable doesn't mean that nobody should be allowed to use it. Just because abortion makes you uncomfortable doesn't mean you should be allowed to force women to give birth. And though not mentioned in this video, it is worth pointing out that the people who are the most vehemently anti-abortion are often the same people that are vehemently anti-sex education, which is really weird since better sex education leads to fewer teen pregnancies. The link to abortion isn't quite as well correlated, but I think we can both agree that fewer teen pregnancies is a good thing, right? Well, better sex education leads to fewer teen pregnancies, whether sex education makes you feel uncomfortable or not. One of the beautiful things about a society that values freedom is that as we encounter different beliefs, we have the chance to figure out which ideas are best for ordering our private lives and our lives together as a society. And time and again, the data has come out that the side that you are fighting against is objectively better for society. Meanwhile, you are trying desperately to restrict people's freedoms under the guise of exercising your religious freedom, all while pretending that you'd be perfectly happy with religions other than Christianity having legislative authority. It's kind of gross, to be honest. A free society encourages people to express their religious convictions in the public square. It doesn't try to silence them. Nobody is silencing you. We just want you to express your beliefs in a way that doesn't infringe on other people's beliefs and freedoms. And the same goes for those other people. If the LGBTQ community started pushing for legislation that would make heterosexual marriage illegal, I would be against that. But they aren't. They just want the same rights as other people already enjoy. Is that really so much to ask? We should want ideas to circulate freely so that we can choose the best ideas, the ones that lead to the most human flourishing. And one of the ideas that leads to more human flourishing is religious freedom, including the freedom from religion. Don't pretend like you want human flourishing when you hold the bigoted positions that you do. That best honor the dignity of each person and that address the longing for the eternal embedded in our hearts. See, there's where you start to run into problems. I don't have a longing for the eternal embedded in my heart. All else being equal, I'd rather that religion didn't exist. But I don't have the right to legislate it out of existence, just as you don't have the right to legislate it into existence. To be clear, all freedoms, including religious freedom, have limits. How in the ever-loving do you not see the problem with what you are saying? Like, yeah, Obviously they have limits, that's what I've been saying here. Let any one religion run rampant, and it will suppress the right to religious freedom for people that belong to other religions. So the best way to preserve freedom of religion is to also preserve freedom from religion. But discomfort is not that limit. 
No, the limit is when your religious freedom infringes on someone else's freedoms. When your religion says that gay people can't get married, that infringes the rights of gay people, even if them getting married makes you uncomfortable. And that's it. The rest of their video is just summary. Today's comment of the day comes to us from Firstborn Prototype, who was kind enough to leave this comment for me on Simon Dan's channel when he graciously allowed me to make a guest video for him. They say, Vice's Rhino is an idiot. Please leave him to bore me to death on his own channel. He is the only guy that makes the same argument every week with same guys and never just calls a liar a liar. I think he fears being kicked out of the Christian club. This one almost had me. I was getting defensive, like, yeah, I do make the same arguments over and over again, but that's not my fault. I'm usually responding to the newest and freshest creationist material. If they don't update their garbage, I can't update my response. That's actually why I sometimes go off on only slightly related tangents. It's a way of keeping the same talking points a bit more fresh. But then I got to the end and realized that this person just must not have seen very much of my content. I don't call many people liars, but when there's enough evidence that I'm satisfied that they aren't just wrong and sincere, but are in fact lying, I'm all over that shit. I just require a very high burden of proof for that because I remember what it was like to be sincere and wrong, and I was called a liar on a number of occasions when I know for a fact that I was sincere. But what really solidified my opinion that this person is just not actually familiar with my channel at all was the last sentence, that I fear being kicked out of the Christian club. Buddy, I kicked myself out of that club years ago. Go watch one of my videos on morality if you want to hear what I think about the Christian god. Anywho, I actually do try to listen to criticism when it can be well-founded, and while a lot of people on Dan's channel seem to like me, which I do greatly appreciate, it was also helpful to read some of the critical comments that were written from a different perspective than the ones I normally get here. Thanks for watching. Special thanks as always to my patrons, Lynn Dobbs, Mark McManus, What Jesus, and all the rest, who are the religious freedom that preserves the right to atheism that is my channel. If you'd like to be constantly misunderstood by apologists trying to gain political power, you can join us on Patreon for as little as a dollar per week over at patreon.com slash vice rhino. If you feel so inclined, you can also support the channel through direct donation or my Amazon wishlist, which are linked in the description. If you'd like to listen to my videos in podcast form, the link for that is also in the description, as well as links to my social media accounts and my P.O. Box address. See you next time!